Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome, listeners, and thanks again for stopping by. You know, this episode is a minor milestone. It's our 10th episode. The time has really flown by in producing the podcast. I'm having a blast creating every episode, and I hope you enjoy them as much as I enjoy making them for you. And as we continue moving forward through this year and beyond, the more the merrier. So please remember to mention us to your family and friends. Much gratitude. I appreciate you. Now, on to the episode. It is a common archetype among ghostly tales. The ghost hitchhiker story. The following is a classic rendition of such stories. Jerry was driving home late one night when he saw a young lady waiting by a bus stop. He stopped his car and told her that he didn't think the buses were running so late at night and offered her a ride. The fall night air was getting chilly, so he took off his jacket and gave it to her. Although his passenger wasn't much for conversation, he did manage to learn that the girl's name was Mary and she was on her way home. After driving for about an hour, they arrived at her home. Jerry said goodnight, she went to the front door, and he went home himself. The next day, he remembered that Mary still had his jacket. So he drove to her house and knocked on the door, and an old woman answered. He told her about the ride he had given her daughter, Mary, and explained he had come back to get the jacket he had lent her. The old woman looked very confused. Jerry noticed a picture of Mary on the fireplace mantle. He pointed to it and told the old woman that was the girl he had given a ride to. With her voice shaking, the old woman told Jerry that her daughter had been dead for many years, the result of an auto accident while she was trying to get home, and was buried in a cemetery about an hour away. Jerry ran to his car and drove to the cemetery. He found his jacket, neatly folded on top of a grave. The name on the gravestone was Mary. Well, you've probably heard some version of this late-night scary ride, perhaps around a campfire or at a party. The ghostly hitchhiker is a popular character in American folktales, and while many variations exist, the stories tend to be cliched. A motorist, usually a man, picks up a lonely hitchhiker, generally a young female. He transports her to her destination, where she either vanishes or enters a house. If she enters a house, the driver usually has reason to follow her. That is, he wants the jacket that he loaned her, or wants to return something she left in the car. Or sometimes, if the destination is a house and she vanishes when the car arrives at the destination, he wants an explanation as to why she disappeared. When he knocks on the door, he learns from a grieving loved one The passenger died years ago. If he's trying to reclaim an item, it will usually be found at her gravesite. 
The age of these stories is unknown, but they have existed in the United States since at least the days when we traveled by wagons, and possibly even earlier than that in other places. After all, ghost stories of one kind or another have been part of our collective consciousness embodied by legend and lore from nearly the start of civilization. There are roads throughout the world that allegedly host a ghostly traveler looking for a ride back to loved ones or to their final resting place. And it's a common enough legend to even appear in our entertainment forms. A fun reversal of the standard hitchhiker format saw Pee Wee Herman picked up by the truck driver Large Marge in the film Pee Wee's Big Adventure before discovering she was actually a ghost trucker who had been killed months earlier in a horrible trucking accident. Given that this particular story is found in different variations throughout the world, perhaps there is more to these phantom hitchhikers than a straightforward scare and an easily dismissed folklore. There seems to be a sadness involved and an inscapability of tragedy. Spirits who are fated to literally travel roadways for unknown reasons and for an indeterminable time. The spirits involved usually are searching for something or are trying to get somewhere. In their ghostly forms, it is something they can never obtain, somewhere they can never reach. And so they seem destined to repeat their hitchhiking car trips over and over again, starting at generally the same location and likewise ending at the same final end point. They repeat their unearthly visitations, adding new stunned participants as their travel companions. One of Chicago's most famous ghost stories is that of Resurrection Mary. Resurrection Mary is so named for her connection to the nearby Resurrection Cemetery where she is said to be buried. The legend goes that she was killed in a hit-and-run accident while walking home from a ball sometime in the 1920s, though there are other legends about her as well. The ghost of a young woman in a white gown has been seen by dozens of people along Archer Avenue in southwest Chicago. Generally, she tends to be walking down the side of the road, searching for a ride home. But as we are about to discover, she isn't the only spirit out there searching for a ride. There are many hitchhiking ghosts associated with places or landmarks. Resurrection Mary, associated with southwest Chicago, is just one of them. Before we get to her story, here are a few of the better-known hitchhiking ghost legends in the United States. Sunshine Skyway Bridge, Tampa, Florida. In the Sunshine State of Florida, just south of Tampa, lies the imposing and magnificent Sunshine Skyway Bridge. Spanning Tampa Bay, the massive bridge is a familiar landmark to those visiting and living in the area. However, this bridge is more than just a giant piece of infrastructure. It has a collection of stories that's as astonishing as its engineering. The construction of the original Sunshine Skyway Bridge was completed in 1954. On September 6th, traffic was able to use the new bridge to reach St. Petersburg from the west coast near Sarasota and vice versa. The bridge transversed the sparkling blue waters of the lower Tampa Bay. Previously, crossing this part of the bay was only possible by ferry. 
The bridge was expanded to four lanes in 1969 to accommodate an increase in traffic between the two cities. The over four-mile-long bridge stood strong over the waterway for the next decade. Then in 1980, a series of tragedies struck, including a ramming of the bridge resulting in vehicles tumbling horrifically into the waters below. Thirty-five people lost their lives, and a new bridge had to be built. With all of this death and heartbreak, it's no surprise that the Sunshine Skyway Bridge is known as one of the most haunted spots in Tampa. Many unexpected drivers have had eerie and unexplainable encounters. The long span of roadway hovers over waters that have seen terrible events, including many suicides. It's known as one of the most popular places in Florida to commit suicide. Since it was built, more than 200 people have jumped to their deaths from the bridge. It's believed that at least one of them lingers in the area. Many surprised motorists have been crossing the bridge when they're shocked to see a blonde woman standing in the road. Others have even said that her image has been spotted in the back seat of their cars. Either way, the woman's spirit seems to be unable to escape the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. Most motorists pull over when they see the distraught young lady hitchhiking at the base of the bridge. As they get closer, they can visualize black eye makeup stains smeared on her white t-shirt where she wiped tears away. Obviously in distress, the driver often abandons his or her resolve of never picking up strangers and decides to give the troubled girl a ride. After all, it's a foggy night and the 15-mile span of bridge and approaching roadway is an awfully long way for a young lady to walk alone. The mysterious blonde hops into the vehicle with ease, usually taking a seat in the back. At first, she makes casual conversation, commenting on mundane observations such as the misty weather and the dangers associated with it. After all, wasn't it a morning like this one that triggered the mass tragedy in 1980 when a freighter hit the bridge and caused the deaths of those 35 people? As the vehicle gets closer to the top of the bridge, the woman becomes more and more agitated, her voice transitioning from relaxed to anxious and finally intense. Do you believe in Jesus, she asks? Do you believe in God? Finally, just as her presence is beginning to disturb the driver to a point of wanting to pull over, they look back to calm the woman and she's gone, vanished into thin air. The hitchhiker is just one of many ghosts that haunt the span of the Skyway Bridge, but she is the best known. She is one of the most famous ghosts seen by people and is mentioned in almost every collection of area ghost stories. Any given night that's saturated with dense fog or soaked in pouring rain will lure this lonely, sad spirit to the enormous bridge over Tampa Bay. She is often seen looking longingly off the top or else hitchhiking her way to the highest point. She's often wearing a white dress and sometimes takes on a form so palpable that drivers will often pick her up thinking she's a real person. We were headed to a Tampa Bay Rays game one night. It was pouring down rain and when we reached the top of the skyway we saw this sad blonde in a white dress looking as if she was going to jump, said Jason Velez, resident of Bradenton, in an interview. After seeing her, I just knew right away it was the ghost. She fit the profile. Just as we got to the other side, a 
fire truck flashing lights and sirens was headed up that way, somebody must have called it in. When conditions are desirable, police stations and toll booths are besieged with callers reporting a sad, blonde woman who looks like she may jump. Some articles claim she appeared after the summit tragedy of 1980, but sightings have occurred prior to that. She is thought to be a suicide victim that hitchhiked her way into an infinite loop, a purgatory. Do you believe in Jesus? She asked. Are you ready to die and meet Jesus? She cried, according to Jim and Ellen in the book, The Tampa Triangle. Before they could answer, she was gone. Throughout the 1960s and 1970s, scores of motorists using the Sunshine Skyway Bridge claimed to see this young blonde lady dressed in a tight t-shirt and an off-white or tan outfit, poised to jump off of one of the main spans. She was reported during both day and night, many times when the structures were shrouded in fog. When sheriff's deputies would investigate, no trace of the young lady could be found, either at the top of the bridge or in the waters below. By the end of the 1970s, reports of a lady of similar appearance filtered in to toll collectors and local sheriff's deputies, only this time she was hitchhiking. Several motorists would pick her up. These incidences also involved many out-of-state drivers, lending an authenticity since they were not familiar with the local legends. Route 44, Rehoboth, Massachusetts. On Route 44, there have been numerous accounts of motorists spotting a bearded hitchhiker with dark eyes. Claims say the bearded hitchhiker appears to be pretty roughed up, as if he'd been in a car accident of some sort. The most terrifying part is that in some of the cases, motorists who've spotted him don't claim to have seen him on the side of the road. Rather, he appeared suddenly in their empty back seats. He's said to mysteriously appear, stay for just moments, and then vanish. A few said they could even hear maniacal laughter through the static noise of the radio just as he vanished from their vehicles. These days, hardly anyone hitchhikes anymore. In the era of stranger danger and human trafficking, it's hard to believe people would be dumb enough to thumb for a ride or even worse, pick up someone hitchhiking. You should definitely never pick up any hitchhikers on the stretch of Route 44 in the area of Seekonk-Rehoboth line, especially ones with red hair. The legend of the red-headed hitchhiker of Route 44 was made famous by the New England Ghost Files, a book by the late Charles Turek Robinson that chronicled many of the ghost stories of Rehoboth. Yet, locals have been reporting the hitchhiker for decades, and the description is almost always the same. Red flannel shirt, dirty jeans, boots, longish red hair, and a big, bushy red beard. And even more disturbing are his dark, empty, soulless eyes. Travelers down this portion of Route 44 will pick him up after seeing him wandering down the road, sometimes with his thumb out for a ride, sometimes not. He'll only get into the back seat even if there is no one else in the car but the driver. They'll ask where is he headed, but he'll give no response. 
he'll simply point down that same direction of road the driver was already headed. After traveling down the road, always in complete silence, the hitchhiker will suddenly begin to giggle. Those giggles will soon turn into maniacal, uncontrollable laughter that pierces the ears of those in the vehicle. The driver, fed up with the hitchhiker's behavior, will threaten to pull over and force him out of the car if he doesn't stop. And then, in an instant, the red-headed hitchhiker is gone. He simply disappears, even with the car moving at a pace of about 50 miles per hour. But although he vanishes from the back seat, his presence never leaves the motorists. One witness said that as he drove down the road, the face of the hitchhiker appeared in the side window of his car, as if he was floating alongside the vehicle as it sped down Route 44. Another claimed that not long after he vanished from her car, the music cut out on the radio, and his crazed laughter began filling the car once again, this time taunting her by name. Who is, or rather was, this ghostly hitchhiker? Nobody knows for sure. Some believe he may have been involved in a horrible crash on that stretch of road, or clipped by a car while he was walking alongside it. He could even be the ghost of someone that predates there ever being a road at all, some 19th century farmer whose spirit has never been put to rest. But if we don't know who he is, we should certainly know what he is. A reminder of what can befall someone when they pick up a stranger on the side of the road. Jamestown, North Carolina The Tar Heel State has its own well-known hitchhiking spirit. It is said the spirit of a young woman haunts the underpass of a railroad bridge over East Main Street in Jamestown, North Carolina. Known as Lydia, she has been seen on rainy and foggy nights as she walks alone or stands beside the road searching for help to get back home. The legend of Lydia is based on sightings and stories over the past 70 or more years of a young woman in white as she stands by the road attempting to flag down passing motorists for help. The ghost is believed to be that of a young woman who died tragically at the bridge many, many years ago. The stories share a common detail of a fatal car accident that occurred as a boy and girl drove on a rainy night to a dance, perhaps the prom. Since then, Lydia's spirit robed in her dress, returns to the scene looking for a ride home, or perhaps to the dance. Local lore tells of the first sighting of Lydia around 1924. North Carolina folklorist Nancy Roberts included the account of an eerie sighting of a woman near the railroad bridge in her 1959 book, An Illustrated Guide to Ghosts and Mysterious Occurrences in the Old North State. As collected from a man named Burke Hardison, he told of his encounter with a young woman as he traveled home to High Point on a rainy and foggy night when he was a student at North Carolina State University in 1924. Hardison claimed to see a girl dressed in a white gown. She signaled for him to stop and asked him to help her get to High Point. He drove her home and when he went to get out of the car, she had vanished into thin air. He knocked on the door of the house, asked if the girl was there, only to learn from her mother that she had been killed in a car accident at a nearby underpass the year before. 
Many people over the years have claimed to see the girl in white alongside the road. Some have stopped to help, only to observe her vanish when they stepped out of their cars or turned around for just a moment. Today, the old bridge is cloaked in vines and overgrowth, giving it an aura of mystery and the supernatural. Both underpasses have become shrines to the folk legend, as generations of residents have claimed to see Lydia in her long white dress, standing by the road, waiting for help. There have been many attempts to match records and evidence with a real person named Lydia, but none have turned up any conclusive proof of a young woman with that name who may have died in an automobile accident in the area during the 1920s. In recent years, two local researchers who have long chased the Lydia legend, Amy Greer and Michael Renegar, came upon an article in the Greensboro Patriot from June 21, 1920. It reported the tragic death of a young woman named Annie Jackson, who had been killed on the High Point Road, about three miles from High Point and close to the location of both the old and current bridge. Might this be the source of the ghost and legend? And now we come to our ghost of choice. Before giving you some tantalizing true encounter stories with Resurrection Mary, let's tell you a little bit about what we know of her. There's a stretch of road between St. James Sag Church and Resurrection Cemetery that is apparently home to wandering spirits. The eerie road winds through overgrown trees, cemeteries, and bodies of water with multiple ghostly sightings reported in the area over decades. One of these spirits is known as Resurrection Mary. Resurrection Mary is undoubtedly Chicago's most famous ghost, hitching rides from unsuspecting commuters in the southwest suburbs for decades. Folklorists and ghost enthusiasts alike claim that Mary's story dates back to the 1930s, when the ghost of a Polish young woman was first seen along Archer Avenue near Resurrection Cemetery. According to Keenan Heiss, who would later go on to write a novel about the ghost, she's a minor cult, a shared belief, and an initiation rite for teenagers. When you learn to drive, you test the myth's reality. Richard Crow originally popularized the story in the 1970s when he began collecting first-hand accounts and theorized that the real-life Mary had perished in a car accident in the early 1930s. Mary supposedly was killed in a car wreck 40 years ago, and she's been coming back and going dancing ever since, he remarked in a May 13, 1974 article in the Chicago Tribune. Later, he elaborated that the sightings usually occurred around 1.30 a.m. Since the 1930s, several men driving northeast along Archer Avenue between the Willowbrook Ballroom and Resurrection Cemetery have reported picking up a young female hitchhiker. This young woman is dressed somewhat formally in a white party dress and is said to have light blonde hair and blue eyes. There are other reports that she wears a thin shawl, dancing shoes, carries a small clutch purse, and possibly that she's very quiet. Unlike most ghosts who prefer to keep their distance and not make contact with people, Resurrection Mary seems to enjoy human contact. Some of the most popular and oft-repeated stories about her come from men who meet an attractive woman at one of the dance halls. 
After spending the evening with her, they offer to give her a ride home. She tells them that she's the daughter of the cemetery caretaker and lives on the grounds, so they drive her to the cemetery. They stop the car. Mary gets out and disappears. According to the Chicago Tribune, full-time ghost hunter Richard Crow has collected three dozen substantiated reports of Mary from the 1930s to the present. So, who was Resurrection Mary? It's not really known. Conjecture is that she may have been Mary Bregove, who died in an auto accident on Wacker Drive in 1934. However, the preferred storyline claims that she is Anna Norcus, who died in a hit-and-run accident while returning home from the O. Henry Ballroom in 1927. Chicago author Ursula Belsky in 1999, documented a possible connection to Anna Majora Norcus. Or, Mary may be nothing more than an urban legend, a romantic story about the Windy City's most famous vanishing hitchhiking ghost. Yet, over two dozen eyewitnesses have described the same girl doing the same thing, decade after decade. The prevailing story goes that Mary had spent the evening dancing with a boyfriend at the O. Henry Ballroom. At some point, they got into an argument, and Mary stormed out. She left the ballroom and started walking up Archer Avenue. She had not gotten very far when she was struck and killed by a hit-and-run driver, who fled the scene, leaving Mary to die. Her parents found her and were grief-stricken at the sight of her dead body. They buried her in Resurrection Cemetery, wearing a beautiful white dancing dress and matching dancing shoes. The hit-and-run driver was never found. Various books and other sources cite various names for the mysterious Mary, but there is no conclusive evidence as to who she was. Perhaps it's simplest to say, most agree she was a young woman, loved to dance, and was killed either in an accident or after being struck by a car on her way home from one of the dance halls. In more recent encounters, those kind enough to pick up the stranded woman are surprised when she vanishes into thin air before reaching her destination. Others have said they get out of their car to open the door for their passenger, but when they reach the other side of the car, she's gone. She's duped several cab drivers, and according to one man, she somehow got out of the car without ever opening the doors. Resurrection Mary has also been spotted in popular dance halls in the South Side, and men who have danced with her usually note her ice-cold hands. She often asks for a ride to or from the graveyard, promptly disappearing once she reaches her destination. There have even been reports that Mary returns to dance at the Willowbrook Ballroom. Men at the dance hall reportedly meet an attractive, mysterious woman wearing clothes from the 1920s. The woman is usually described as having long, blonde hair and wearing a flowing white dress. After dancing and spending some time with her, they turn away briefly. When they look back, the woman is gone. In July of 1979, the Tribune published a letter that claimed the ghost of Mary had been seen in August 1976 or 77 by two policemen near the gate of Resurrection Cemetery. That anonymous writer was probably referring to the most intriguing event of all related to this tale, 
the night Mary supposedly left physical evidence behind. More on that later. Some have claimed to see the ghost of a young blonde woman walking around Resurrection Cemetery at night. It's unknown whether or not this is Mary, but she does have a similar appearance. Other strange apparitions have been seen around the graveyard as well. Resurrection Cemetery is one of the most famous haunted locations in the United States. Unusual and unexplained phenomena has been reported there for decades. Some researchers have attempted to link Resurrection Mary to one of the many thousands of burials in Resurrection Cemetery. Some have reported that she walks toward the locked cemetery gates and fades away. Some have even reported that she jumped out in front of their cars and was hit, a residual haunting in which the victim reenacts over and over and over the events of their death. When the drivers stop to see if the woman they hit has been injured, they find that no one is there. As you have now been furnished with some background on what, and possibly even who, Resurrection Mary is, it's time we look at some actual sightings of Chicago's most famous ghost. The first person who claimed to encounter Resurrection Mary was a man named Jerry Paulus. In 1939, Jerry was at a popular dance hall on the south side when he was love-struck by a young blonde woman. He approached her, and the two hit it off and spent the night dancing away. They even shared a kiss. But something was off. According to Jerry, her hands were as cold as ice. He described her as having cold hands but a warm heart. Closing time came around, and Jerry offered the woman a ride home, as she said she lived in the south side. Still, the woman asked to be taken down to Archer. Jerry was confused. Archer Avenue was in the opposite direction, so why was she asking to go there instead of home? Jerry took the woman down towards Archer anyway. She motioned for Jerry to stop in front of the Resurrection Cemetery. When he stopped the car, she got out and vanished before his eyes. Jerry was shaken with disbelief, but not too frightened to seek out answers. The next morning, he made his way to the address where Mary said she lived. He knocked on the door and encountered her mother. When Jerry asked about the woman he met the previous night, she informed him that she'd been dead for nearly three years. It turns out that Jerry had encountered Resurrection Mary, and over the next few decades, several other men would have similar experiences. But Jerry's encounter was the one that began the legend. Several people claimed to have run-ins with Resurrection Mary in the 1970s and 1980s. One cab driver in the 1970s claimed to see a young woman standing in front of the Resurrection Cemetery one night. He pulled over to check if she needed a ride. As the woman approached the vehicle, she disappeared. In a January 31, 1979 article in the Suburban Trib, Columnist Bill Geist detailed the story of a cab driver, Ralph, who picked up a young woman near a small shopping center on Archer Avenue. A real looker, a blonde. She was young enough to be my daughter, 21 tops. A couple miles up Archer there, she jumped with a start like a horse and said, Here, here. So I hit the brakes. I looked around and I didn't see no kind of house. Where, I said. And then she sticks out her arm and points across the road to my left, says there. 
and that's when it happened. I looked to my left like this at this little shack and when I turned she was gone, vanished, and the car door never opened. May the good Lord strike me dead, it never opened. In 1980, Claire Ranicki and her husband Mark were driving down Archer Avenue toward the Resurrection Cemetery when they spotted a young woman in a white gown slowly walking down the side of the road. I really didn't think there was any ghost. You hear these stories and these old ghost tales, but it's never happened to me. But now I have to say, I think I'm changing my mind. I was just looking out the window as we were going down the road, and on the right-hand side of the road, there was a girl walking. She was bright, really bright, like illuminating. She was just walking very slowly. I remember thinking, oh my God, it's Resurrection Mary. And I can feel my stomach starting to turn. I was very frightened, I, I have to admit. It did scare me. Claire's husband, Mark Rudnicki, was also in the car. We all went past it, turned around, came back, and by the time we'd gotten back to where we'd originally seen her, it had gone, vanished. In October of 1989, Janet Kalal and a friend were out for an evening drive. After about an hour, they found themselves at Resurrection Cemetery. It was then, Janet recalled, that a pale young woman stepped in front of the car. There was no impact, there was no bump to say that I know I had hit something, but I know she ran out. I, I hit her. She was all in white and her hair and the dress were flowing back. It was like a stream backwards, you know, away from her. And I, I just saw this profile of a young woman. But something was strange. There was no impact and no sound. The woman just disappeared into thin air. Then Janet and her friend got out to check out the scene. The woman was nowhere to be found, and there was no damage to their car. Both Janet and her friend saw the woman, yet she vanished without a trace. An old Southsider named Vince was still telling his Resurrection Mary story to paranormal investigators half a century after it happened. When he did, he sounded just as haunted as he'd been the night he met the ghost. Before he went out dancing that evening, Vince put on his favorite suit, a double-breasted gray number with squared-off shoulders and his most colorful tie, red with Hawaiian hula girls and grass skirts. He cruised Archer Avenue with the top down on his Chevy. The night was warm, and the O. Henry Ballroom was going to be jumping as it was always on Saturdays. Inside the ballroom, Vince spotted a pretty blonde girl in a white dress and asked her to dance. The girl smiled, and they joined the crowd on the dance floor. Her name was Mary. And she lived, she said, on Damon Avenue in the Brighton Park neighborhood. That wasn't far from where Vince lived in the house he shared with his parents. As they slow danced, he noticed for the first time that the girl's hands were cold, her skin brittle. Mary seemed to notice that he noticed it, so he made what he hoped was a lighthearted remark. Mary smiled, and they danced together for the rest of the evening. After the final number... Vince offered Mary a ride home. Her place was just a straight shot up Archer, but after they had driven north for a few miles, Mary insisted he pull the car over outside the locked gates of Resurrection Cemetery, the graveyard of Chicago's Polish community. Vince was baffled, but he complied. Mary opened the door and stepped out onto the roadside. I have to go, 
and you cannot follow me, she said. Then she walked toward the gates, laid a hand on the iron chain that bound the gates together, and vanished. Vince spent the rest of the night driving his Chevy up and down Archer Avenue looking for a blonde girl in a white dress. He drove until dawn, and then, when the cemetery gates opened, he drove through the rows of tombstones. He was impelled not simply by the mystery of having seen a ghost, but really by the hope that the girl he had danced with was not a ghost, that he could dance with her again on some future night. Vince never returned to the O. Henry Ballroom or to Resurrection Cemetery. In fact, he was so shaken by having danced with a ghost that he never set foot in a dance hall again. One night, a suburban police officer received a report of a woman in a white dress walking through the grounds of Resurrection Cemetery. When he arrived at the gates, he found two bars pried apart, with scorch marks where a pair of hands would have gripped them. The following year, a couple driving down Archer Avenue saw a girl, wearing the same white dress, lying in the street. The man at the wheel swerved to avoid her, but she disappeared before his tires could make contact. In the 1990s, the owner of Chet's Melody Lounge was pulling out of the driveway when he saw a man running up the road, waving desperately. I need to use your phone, the man said in a stricken voice. I, I hit a woman back there, but I, I can't find her body. Uh, was she a blonde woman in a white dress? The owner asked. How did you know? That was a resurrection, Mary. Don't worry, you didn't hit anyone. You saw a ghost. There have been dozens of reports made by people who either had to slam on the brakes because a young girl in a white dress ran out in front of the car, or who have seen her walking down the middle of the road. Over two dozen people have reported picking Mary up as she walked along Archer Avenue on cold, dark nights. Most drivers report that she's dressed as if she has come from an evening of dancing, in a white dress from years ago, but no coat or warm clothing you would expect to see on such a cold evening. When they pick her up, she usually disappears from the car as it passes the cemetery or asks to be let out at the front of the gates where she disappears inside. Another group of friends claim to have seen Mary. They had driven by the cemetery one night when they looked up and saw the ghostly figure of a woman illuminated by the light in front of it. They were terrified by what they saw. Her face was black nothingness. So listeners, if you should find yourself in Chicago, driving on the southwest side of the city late at night, and happen to spot a pale young woman in a flowing white gown, you might think twice about offering her a ride. The simple formula of the hitchhiking ghost story also means that it's highly customizable. The driver, Jerry, can easily become my friend Harry, or when my dad was in college coming home from the weekend. Similarly, the address can be anywhere. It can be any graveyard, or abandoned house, or tree-lined road. The hitchhiker can be the daughter of any couple known to have lost a daughter to a car accident or tragedy. Why does the story work so well? In the story we shared at the beginning of this episode, 
a man stops for a young woman waiting at a bus stop and thinking of the late hour and the difficulty she may have in getting home offers her a ride. Hitchhiking was a fairly common practice until recently in the 1950s and 1960s and even in the 70s. Hitchhiking was a common means of making your way around the country. It becomes less believable today in the context of our current society. One of the basic rules we learn as children is that you never, ever, ever get into a car with a stranger. And yet, time after time, these women do just that. And the men seem to have no ill intent. They simply want to ensure the young woman gets home safely. So these stories exhibit a basic concern for others, highlighting a sense of neighborliness and trust that fits with the social perceptions of relationships during a kinder period, even if the object of kindness is a ghost. There seems to be two lessons to be taken from these types of ghost stories. First, there is a reminder of the importance of community, that you can depend on a stranger for help if you're in need. Second, there is a warning whether driving too fast or maybe drinking and driving, because you too could end up like Mary. While the drivers who pick up these passengers are usually male, the phantom passengers suggest a shadowy fate for the driver if they aren't careful. After all, they could survive, but their passengers, their girlfriends, and other loved ones might not. These stories aren't necessarily spine-tingling, but they reflect larger social concerns and are designed to encourage behavior change for the better. So, you see, there's a lot that can be learned from folklore. For several decades, two of the bars at the front gate of Resurrection Cemetery were bent apart as if someone had tried to open a space in the bars. Some attribute this to Mary, and there are even a few people who claim to have witnessed the event. Locals point to the handprints seemingly burned into the bars as evidence for this taking place. One of the bent bars can still be seen on the main gate of Resurrection Cemetery, but there is no sign of the small handprint. Cemetery officials explain the incident by saying that a truck driver accidentally backed into the gate. The officials vehemently deny any ghostly occurrences, but believers still believe. While some doubt whether the story of Resurrection Mary is real, some particularly persistent paranormal investigators have begun digging to uncover Mary's true identity. They combed through the thousands of graves at the Resurrection Cemetery looking for a connection. Today, many agree that the woman named Anna Majera Norcus is actually Resurrection Mary. She was killed in a car accident in 1927 while on her way back from a party at the O'Henry Ballroom. Her story seems fairly consistent with the legends. Richard Crow, local Chicago historian and folklorist, believed that the hitchhiker was not a human, but a ghost. I think that of all the ghost stories worth believing in, Resurrection Mary is the one with the best documentation. The witnesses that I've found are remarkably level-headed, and they're primarily blue-collar, middle-class types who have steady jobs and who have no other major claims to psychic encounters in their lives, he stated. The story of Resurrection Mary is similar to many other ghost stories categorized under the Vanishing Hitchhiker label, 
a mysterious stranger is seen along the road, asks for a ride, and then disappears. But for some reason, the legend of Resurrection Mary has endured for more than 70 years, and the sightings and stories haven't stopped. To this very day, they continue. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Just drop me here at the cemetery. Not now, Mary. We, we need to do the quiz. So those of you who go out to the Facebook page know by now that we have a lot of content out there. Mondays we do Monster Monday. We highlight a monster. Tuesdays are the quiz. We're going to get to that in a minute. And Wednesdays, we highlight a paranormal book or film. Thursday, we try to give you some current paranormal news uh, from around the world. And then, of course, Friday, we put out our latest episode, and that's where we answer the Tuesday quiz. So this week's question was, which state has the most Bigfoot sightings? Is it A, Washington, B, Oregon, C, Florida, don't forget about the skunk ape down in Florida, or D, Ohio. Once again, which state has the most Bigfoot sightings? Washington, Oregon, Florida, or Ohio? And the answer is... Washington, the state of Washington, is correct. Using 2020 data reports from the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, we can compare numbers of sightings against the U.S. Census state population to find the number of sightings per 100,000 people. The 2021 numbers are, so far, tracking about the same. So the state's with the highest number of sightings. So let's talk about that for just a moment. This is the highest number of sightings, not based on any kind of rating around sightings per 100,000 people, but just total sightings. Washington leads with 676 in 2020. California, right behind them at 445. Then Florida, Ohio, Illinois, Oregon, that's a little bit of a surprise that Illinois is higher than Oregon, Texas, and Michigan. Now, the interesting thing is when you look at sightings in accordance with the state population, then your ratings uh, change a little bit. So, for example, California is number two uh, for overall sightings, but because the population is so large in the state, the sightings per 100,000 people is just 1.1, really small. So if you want to find out where your best chances of seeing a Bigfoot are, it's going to be Washington with 8.9 people per 100,000 seeing a Bigfoot. Oregon would be next at 6. West Virginia, actually, is next at 5.8. And then you have Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. What about the states with the fewest Bigfoot sightings? What do you think? Well, uh, 
the top state is Nevada, and Nevada probably doesn't have a lot just due to the fact that there's a lot of desert in that state. Um, Rhode Island would be next, um, and you know there's probably no place to hide on, on Rhode Island. Massachusetts also uh, right after that, Connecticut and Delaware. So, you know, that that uh, East Coast, Upper East Coast area is not going to help you out if you're trying to f- get a sighting of Bigfoot. There is one state that has no Bigfoot sightings of any kind. Can you guess what state it is? That's right. It's Hawaii. So what will we be tackling in our next episode? That'll be episode 11. Aroo, that is. Our next episode takes us deep into the Louisiana swamps and Cajun countryside. Strange creatures travel their lengths and hold sway over an ecosystem they call their own. But one supernatural and terrifying monster stands above them all, the fearsome Rougarou. So join us next time to find out why you absolutely don't want to go trekking through Louisiana's Cajun country at night, especially when that inky blackness is bathed in moonlight. Join us next time for Rougarou, Louisiana's Cajun Terror. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by.